0: Topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome integrative dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to episode 179 of the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Today we are interrupting our regularly scheduled content to bring you some information on how to optimize your immune system and what to do to prevent coronavirus. So we'll talk today about how concerned you should be and why some of the modern medicine approaches might be a little bit off target.
2: Yes, I went into our layout of plans and scurried really quickly over this weekend because I posted just real quick on my countertop uh, a couple of my tools, if you will, to support immune health and what you might consider a Corona survival kit. And it was kind of kitschy, you know, just like, oh, here's here's the different probiotics and the vitamin D and this and that. And you guys were all over it and had so many questions that I decided that this should be a huge priority. So totally. this is this is not the first episode that we've done for y'all on your immune system. Uh, we had episode sixty-eight called "Supporting Your Immune System Naturally," and in that episode, I talked a lot about pediatrics. Uh, I talked about ear. Ear infection prevention, and um, because uh, as discussed in that episode, ear infections are the number one reason for pediatric prescribed antibiotics. And we'll talk in today's episode again some of the impact of antibiotic intervention that can influence the body decades later. Uh, so that was episode sixty-eight, and then episode seventy-seven uh, connected my stress autoimmune story, so my personal autoimmune history. And that's a little bit different scope on the immune system, but definitely in that hypervigilant state, what can happen in an autoimmune cascade And then in episode 114 last year, or goodness, I guess it's been even past last year, uh, last fall of 2018, we covered uh, the episode 114, Boosting Your Immune System for You and Your Family. Uh, So today we will go into a little bit of Immune System 101 since it's been almost 70 episodes since that. And um, we're definitely gonna hit on the buzz of the coronavirus, you know, what is an epidemic, um, what we need to think about, with viral versus bacterial infections and so much more. It's gonna be a great one. Be sure to have your notebook. I'm gonna be dropping a lot of resources and tips.
1: Totally, and before we get into it, because I know it's gonna be pretty epic, let's just have a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Further Food. Absolutely. Further Food products are the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health tonic foods. And we absolutely love that their collagen is grass-fed, pasture-raised, wild-caught in the case of their wild cod collagen, non-GMO, hormone-free, and antibiotic-free. And Further Food really takes strides to ensure that they have an entire community surrounding the products that they make of functional medicine doctors, nutritionists, RDs like ourselves, and health heroes who share their expertise, inspire product formulations, and people who use them every day like us. Um, So both Allie and I have fully transitioned to using their collagen on a daily basis, and I think we both get their gelatin in at least several times a week in various recipe applications, whether it's thickening a sauce or making gelatin gummies or actually using them in a baked good to improve texture like Allie's chocolate chip cookies from the anti-anxiety diet cookbook. And we continue to both get great results, work super well. The collagen does with both hot and cold recipes. So that is in our morning coffee every single day, two scoops of collagen. Um, and I love their individual packets as well for when I am on the road, we'll be talking about other travel hacks in today's episode content, but that's one of my big ones that I'll bring the individual sticks of collagen and just mix those into a coffee or a tea when I'm on the go and need a little bit of extra gut support.
2: Yes. So you can go on over to furtherfood.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. That lets them know that you first heard about them through the Naturally Nourished podcast, and you will get savings on your first order. Again, it's furtherfood.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. And in the constructs of today's episode on the immune system, you know, Hippocrates said that let food be thy medicine, but also all disease starts in the gut. And uh, we will talk in today's episode about the influence of the GALT or the gut associated lymphatic tissue and supporting your gut lining, the epithelial thin tissue that lines the insides of your intestines is one of the best ways to support a healthy, robust immune system. So collagen and gelatin is definitely in my repertoire during this season as well.
1: Totally. All right. So let's dig in and just give a little bit of 101 background and tell listeners just kind of in layman's terms, what is the immune system? How does it function in the body?
2: So the immune system is basically your body's surveillance system. It defends your body and works to protect your body from invaders. So these invaders can be pathogens from bacteria, parasite, and virus. Um, Invaders can be abnormal tissue. Um, So, if we're getting dysplasia and abnormal cellular formation, this could be, um, you know, driven by tumor activity in the body or um, pathogenesis of cancer. That would be another immune job to surveillance. And um, we can even see the immune system responding to quote-unquote invaders in food antigens, right? So, this is that whole concept of leaky gut and how the immune system starts to create a battle inflammatory response to otherwise um, compounds that should not be reacted to in, or seen as an invader itself, should be seen as more of a neutral player. So it's the immune system's job to really upregulate cellular players to fight off these invaders or foreign compounds and regulate the inflammatory response of your body.
1: Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, What about just some of the key players of the immune system? Let's talk about kind of some of the different types of cells and things.
2: Yeah, so we think really heavily in the white blood cells. Um, So from neutrophils to macrophage activity, um, natural killer cells are also uh, players of the immune system that will upregulate in that battle environment. And uh, lymphocytes would also be in that white blood cell world. And then we think of in the adaptive or acquired immune system, there are uh, basically cells that are made in our bone marrow. We think of them as B-cells and T-cells. T-cells are matured and made in the thymus. um, But these are going to be playing a role really in adaptive immunity. So let me maybe unpack a little bit on on innate versus acquired immunity. So innate immunity refers really to the actual immediate exposure So in innate immunity, we're thinking of like surface barriers or mechanical barriers, like um, our skin is is a surface barrier from exposure, right? Or the um, tiny cilia in our lungs work as a a surface barrier. And then the fact that we have mucus in that area works as a barrier. Um, In our digestive tract, we have chemical barriers like uh, natural antimicrobials and antibacterials and hydrochloric acid, which are in our saliva, and our stomach juices right as chemical barriers to fight off pathogens Um, we think of biological barriers which could be our uh, flora so our good bacteria flora or probiotics that microbiome serves as a innate responder and we know, of course, that unfortunately most antibiotics um, are going to be non-specific, and they'll target the entire microbiome. And this can reduce the efficacy of that natural innate defense system, and, and make us more vulnerable. And we see this immediately often with like a, a yeast flare following an antibiotic, um, which is why now <laughs> we're layering on something else like Diflucan after your um, antibiotic that was prescribed to prevent that. Yeast yeast flare, Um, but all of that's basically innate. So our surface barriers, which could be our skin, coughing, sneezing to clear, um, chemical barriers, and then the uh, biological, which would be what's living in our body. Then there's inflammation as a defense mechanism, as I've mentioned. So our body's ability to have a fever as a way to fight off a invader. Our body's ability to create redness and variance within vasodilation and constriction. Um, This is gonna play a role with how cytokines and leukocytes, particular compounds in our cells and our chemical um, inflammatory mediators, aid in tissue repair or also in um, breakdown and and destruction. And then when we're looking at our um, natural killer cells, which I've mentioned before, these are going to be comprised of of host cells that um, aid in um, killing off infected cells or dysfunctional cells themselves. So that's all within our innate immune system. And then our adaptive immune system is where these T cells, these um, cells of the thymus, undergo apoptosis of infected cells. So they're able to actually basically pop and destroy, kill off infected cells. Um, Our T helper cells drive the immune function response Our B lymphocytes from our bone marrow play a big role in antigen presentation. So taking this um, marker of a molecule to present this to our inflammatory system. And then our T cells are going to multiply or differentiate into helper, regulatory, or cytotoxic forms of T cells um, and may even become memory T cells. And this is all kind of a tagging. This adaptive or acquired immunity is a tagging and memory system so that our immune system says, oh, I remember you, chicken pox. I, I, I experienced you back in the early 80s, didn't like you. This is what I've done to defend against you. So if I'm exposed to you, I'm not going to get in, infected.
1: Totally. And we'll unpack a little bit more around that and kind of how vaccines strive to at least work in that way um, of that adaptive mechanism. But I think it's important to note that, you know, our body's got kind of all of this going on at once. And depending on, you know, what kind of infection we're fighting and severity and all of that, we can definitely see, you know, different um, parts of the immune system kind of coming to battle at the same time.
2: Mm Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so I want to ensure um, not only that we share kind of how the immune system functions, but within the scope of just, you know, immune system hit this time of year, I really want to make sure that we clarify on antibiotics, how these are only to be used on bacterial versus viral infections. And even with that, they may be introduced a little bit too early. They're often, you know, first line of defense for infection.
2: Yes, and I think it's getting better. Um, you know, we've shared now in a couple episodes on, you know, Stella's recent battle with likely the flu of some form of some strain um, when she had that really high fever of 104.5. And um, I shared some research from Seattle Pediatric Hospital on, you know, up to date research on letting a fever run its course and not interfering with the, the, immune systems process again. Um, And so unfortunately, all too often, um, and especially back in the day, um, we saw a lot of antibiotics used as a first line of defense um, and could be prescribed without understanding whether it was bacterial or viral in the first place. And as I mentioned, antibiotics can really influence the entire body and the body's immune capacity, as well as drive other chronic illness. So as we shared um, back in the episode, when I was talking about ear infections, Antibiotics when taken by a child before 18 months of age increase the risk of allergies three times, increases the risk of asthma four times, increases the risk of eczema six times. So it's really starting to shift the conversation from treating to preventing and early intervention using natural compounds that support both the innate and acquired immune system um, as opposed to just kind of killing off
1: without understanding. Totally. So uh, the first sign of an ear infection, maybe a child is pulling on their ear or displaying some distress, but it's not full blown yet. There's a lot that you can do in that intervention time to prevent them from having to go on an antibiotic.
2: Absolutely. And you can do things and we'll we'll cover in a little bit, but just because we're on the topic, you know, keeping their nasal passage cleared um, so they're not dealing with gunk buildup. That's the first line of, you know, defense of what drives that infection, right? Um, Thinking of also working with probiotics on a daily basis to support their body's army to defend against infection in the first place. And then if they get a low-grade infection, potentially working with that army of probacteria right away and ramping that up so that the immune system can do its job.
1: Totally. And I'll make sure I link also to the blog post where you kind of outlined protocol for both prevention and natural treatment for ear infections, just for listeners that that has already struck a chord with. Um, But just kind of moving right along, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, vaccines and kind of how they function in this active or acquired immunity. Um, You know, as antibiotics cannot be used to treat a virus, but only a bacterial infection, and sometimes, unfortunately, they get prescribed without knowing if it's viral or bacteria. Very often, um, but viruses are usually going to run their course; they're going to self resolve. And really, the only treatment out there is going to be, you know, proactive vaccine use to avoid viral inoculation or an anti viral prescription which aren't that common right nope. <laughs> yes
2: yeah so you know again the active immunity can be acquired by exposure to the disease and as i mentioned like with chickenpox that used to be the big thing where you know someone in the neighborhood had chickenpox and all the moms would gather their kids to go play because they're like let's just get this bandaid torn off <laughs> let's just have everyone on the block have chickenpox so we don't have to deal with this like titering effect right and that kind of happened with siblings in the household as well um you know the cdc states that vaccines generally provide immunity similar to that provided by natural infection but without the risk from the disease or its complications and you know like like you said as far as self resolution most of these diseases or quote-unquote complications are really only severe in the extreme immune compromised. So as we'll kind of unpack today, this risk of coronavirus and and the statistics that we're seeing right now, um, you know, there's constant statistics about the flu killing people. And um, yes, it's true that it does, but we'll start to, t- to add some numbers to the fear mongering so that you can really understand cost to benefit of, of intervention and, and where risk resides and whether it makes sense to potentially allow exposure and in, enhance your immune system's function um, versus potentially throwing a dart at the, at the dartboard when it might be the wrong strain or the wrong genetics or something's mutated. So I just want to kind of a little bit further unpack this active and acquired immunity um, because I think it's really important. So it can be antibody mediated. Like I said, you know, all foods and and compounds are going to have different antibodies, basically tagging compounds um, or cell mediated components. Okay. And so when germs like bacteria or viruses invade the body, they attack and multiply. And so this invasion is what we would deem as an infection. And this is what then would drive illness. And the immune system uses, again, several tools. It's not a single mechanism. Um, and so we're looking at the blood in the body, which of course carries oxygen to tissues and organs and, and cover, carries in, all of our nutrients, right? That's what delivers nutrients through the blood. Um, but it's those white blood cells that we think of as our primary immune cells. And we think of the macrophages, the B lymphocytes, and the T lymphocytes. And the macrophages are like the first line of defense. We think of macrophages also in what drives foam cells in plaque formation for cardiovascular disease. Macrophages are white blood cells that basically swallow up and digest germs. Um, So that could be virus or bacteria, as well as dead and dying cells. And then they leave parts of the invaded germs back, um, the antigens themselves, so that the body can then identify and upregulate or stimulate more antibodies to attack that compound, so that's one of the kind of tagging mechanisms, right? And then there's the B lymphocytes that defend um, our white blood cells. They produce antibodies that attack these antigens that were that were you know left by those macrophages. So it's like the Pac Men kind of leave some of the dust, and then the B lymphocytes are the smart. These are now the acquired or, or um, are you know, active immune response. And then the T lymphocytes, again, made by the thymus versus bone marrow, um, are another type of defense within the white blood cells. And they attack um, the cells in the body that have already been infected. Um, so the first time that the body encounters a germ, it can take a couple of days, um, and it requires a lot of this innate first exposure of inflammation and in these cascades. And then it's you know the T lymphocytes that are going to hang on to that memory and can go into action quicker in in future encounters with that same germ going forward.
1: Got it. So that helps, I think, to understand kind of the function of, of these white cells and what they do. And then let's just circle back on kind of um, how this would work with vaccination.
2: Yeah. So, you know, with vaccines, what we're trying to do is identify either an, in- an active or an inactive strain of a virus. And we're trying to give this to the the host, the body, um, in an environment that would provoke an inflammatory immune response, and this is where adjuvants come in, and I'll unpack that a little bit further when we start to talk about flu shots particularly, but that's one of the mechanisms, is we need to um, agitate the host, as well as provide them with that compound for those T cells to gather and say, okay, this is the bad guy that we're gonna stay vigilant against.
1: Okay, I think that helps, and and um, you know a big issue here is that modern medicine is really always trying to catch up with the different strains or viral genetics of various diseases to address this acquired immunity. And I know when Dr. Ben Lynch um, shared a post on Instagram about the New York Times article that was entitled "How to Prepare for the Coronavirus." You, know, you had some serious frustration, and we were texting back and forth about it. So, um, let's share kind of some of those highlights and and just bring that to light a little bit.
2: Yeah, just a shout out to Dr. Ben Lynch um, because I'm I'm pulling from his one Instagram post in some of this um, epidemic trend uh, research. So he's fantastic. You got to all follow him. He wrote the book um, "Dirty Jeans," and we had him on the podcast. I believe it was episode seventy or right around there. Um, he's he's awesome. Uh, also a Bastyr uh, University grad. So. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, so it was how to prepare for the coronavirus, New York Times piece, and one of the recommendations was um, get a flu shot. And so if, you, if you've started to wrap your mind around, right, you don't have to be a biochemist. You don't have to be someone in the medical field. But what we just expressed was acquired immunity is very strain-specific, right? So this particular flu shot that we are using from 2019 into 2022, um, you know, is either a three-strain or four-strain. So it's called a trivalent or a quadrivalent vaccine. And um, I'll get into the nerdiness of, you know, what... Uh, strains and influenza is used in it, but there is no Coronavirus strain (laughs) being used in the flu shot at this time. So that's kind of as akin to saying, literally, you have a nail in your head, cut off your left foot. Um, (laughs) That's how I see it as. Like it's just illogical, and especially if we know that when we are given a vaccine, that that stresses our immune system's function, and that's a purpose of a vaccine to agitate and provoke to try to get that T cell memory. that maybe if you're immune compromised right now or there's this new virus going on, you might want to support your body versus potentially weaken it or stress it further.
1: Totally. That <laughs> makes sense.
2: <laughs> so uh, Dr. Lynch said, per in, in quote, let's put the hysteria into perspective. Um, he says COVID, which is the, I guess they're using um, COVID-19 as the coronavirus, kind of like, like the H1N1 they were using for the flu, right? So COVID-19 has led to more than 75,000 illnesses and 2,000 deaths, primarily in China. Nothing compared to influenza. In the US alone, um, in the flu itself has already caused 26 million illnesses, 250,000 hospitalizations, and 14,000, compared to 2,000, right, deaths um, this season, according to the CDC. Those immune compromised are, of course, those that have the highest risk. So these are older adults um, where the death rate does soar to 14.8% in those that are infected, right? So this is in 14.8% older people in 80, 80 years plus of age if you're 80 years plus old and you get the flu you have a higher of course that is quite high 14.8% risk factor of mortality but again you're 80 plus years old so there's stats with every disease state that in <laughs> influx with age sure. right yeah. Um, not to mention the drug nutrient interaction and micronutrient deficiency and so much more, right? But this death rate reduces to 1.3% risk of death for those that get the flu in ages 50 to 59, and it continues to decline all the way down to 02 two percent for those in ages 10 through 39 and there have been zero causes of death for those under age nine so like i said we usually use immune compromised of infants into geriatrics and it really seems as if this strain of the flu this year round is really the older population of individuals again all those percentages were percentages of people that have that virus and their risk of mortality
1: got it um and that's specific to the flu versus coronavirus
2: that's just specific to the flu this year so he was it. just saying like if we're talking about anything let's keep got talking it. about yep. flu prevention yep. versus this new kid on the totally. bottle which has a sexy name that's <laughs> basically yep. the point um and then um from from uh Reuters, we have um one in five people worldwide infected with the swine flu from 2009 to 2010, and that was the H1N1 pandemic. So that would be the last pandemic. Um, the death rate, though, was 0.02 percent, um, and that was right one in five people worldwide infected with the swine flu, and less than point. death rate. Um, New York Times came out with another statistic that, you know, vehicle crashes are one in 103. So you have a 1% risk of dying in an automobile crash and less than a 0.02% from the largest pandemic virus that has been in modern society, right? Um, And then, you know, when we look at preventative illness and risk factors for Americans in in all-cause mortality. We're looking at statistics that are great when we look at things like heart disease, 17%. So one in six um, Americans are likely to die from heart disease. Um, Cancer, we're looking at one in seven, 14%. So it's really, to me, mind-boggling. We're we're looking forward of, of lining the pockets of Uh, big pharma, because here we are in the White House is seeking $2.5 billion for a COVID-19 vaccine. And um, we're talking about a potential risk factor lower than this year's flu. And um, we are going to talk about now getting into the efficacy of flu shots to begin with anyway, and whether those Sure.
1: Sure. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it seems like the mass hysteria A, might not be worth it of us all stressing out and like running to the pharmacy and getting uh, masks. buying out the masks that apparently... Don't even work unless you get a specific type because the mask is for if you're sick to prevent you from infecting others, doesn't go the other way. Um, and the type that does go both ways is apparently sold out in the US. So if that tells you anything about kind of how hysterical um, we're getting, but it seems like we're not, it's not really worth it and that we really need to just put this into perspective and think about how we can support our bodies in fighting any infection whether it's the flu whether it's this coronavirus and guys coronavirus isn't new it's also been around since like the 1960s at least with documented cases apparently there was a big surge in the 1980s and so just like the flu this is a different strain that I think there's just a lack of clarity and information that's really driving a lot of the hysteria right now
2: yeah. My nephew who just turned four years old had it when he was two years old, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, was hospitalized a couple days and, um, it was in conjunction with RSV. So when you have up respiratory stuff, obviously that's going to be a, a double whammy, but, um, yeah, sure he is hanging out.
1: <laughs> so yeah, in terms of investment of resources, speaking of like that 2.5, it seems like more resources really should be going toward this kind of root cause model, um, creating a resilient immune system, both innate and acquired. But unfortunately, that's not the case.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the issue with vaccines, again, and and I'm going to stay from getting too polarizing and and not taking a quote unquote anti-vax statement. I take a body autonomy approach, of course. But the issue with vaccines is that they are not very effective. Um, you know, the CDC states that the flu shot is 40 to 60% effective. And there's two ways that viruses can change there's an antigenic drift, um, which basically these are small changes or mutations in the genes of viruses. And these can change the surface protein of the virus so that acquired immunity is non functional, right? So like the tagging that your system built changes because of the mutation in that, in that drift of the antigen. And then there's actually even an antigenic shift, which is an abrupt major change in a virus. And this would create a completely new HA or NA. And, and, and these are you know, the tagging surface proteins of these viruses. So this is what happened in the spring of 2009 when an H1N1 virus with genes from North American swine, hence a swine flu thing. We've also had bird flu, right, all these types of things, when, you know, an animal population um, emerged um, to infect people. And that quickly spread, causing that that pandemic, because then there was zero efficacy
1: of the flu shot. So it seems like viruses have a lot of potential to kind of... Sh- Shape I guess we could call yeah. it mutate. Yeah, shapeshift. That's a Maui Moana. <laughs> it totally is. Yes.
2: Um, yeah. So, you know, this, so like I said earlier, you know, most flu shots now are going to be trivalent or even quadrivalent because they're trying to kind of cover a, a couple factors, right? So they're looking at identifying multiple strains. So this year's is influenza A virus H1N1 called the Michigan strain. There's influenza A virus H3N2, which is called the Hong Kong strain. And then there might be one or two influenza B strains, whether you're doing the trivalent or the quadrivalent. Um, and. And so when, when we're looking at this, A, we're getting three or four different um, you know, antigen stressors to the immune system. And this is always going to be delivered with preservatives and adjuvants. So aluminum salts are the primary adjuvant, um, especially in, in this modern flu shot. Um, and this is going to, as I said, provoke or agitate the immune system, driving an inflammatory response. It's a toxin. essentially what it serves as a toxin to overburden the body then there's formaldehyde which is um, used in vaccines to inactivate the toxins of the virus themselves um, which could in theory interfere also with the immune system's tagging and ability to read Um, thimerosal um, which is the form of mercury it's the ethyl mercury Um, versus methylmercury, which we see like in our oceans, but still serves as a preservative. Um, Then there's antibiotics even within vaccines, um, which are supposed to help to regulate, um, you know, the bacterial growth of the active or inactive strain. And then there's stabilizers like egg protein, gelatin. Egg protein is often used in the culture of growing. This year's is, I believe, completely egg-free Um, But then they'll use some form of like gelatin as a stabilizer. But there's a lot of additives. The most concerning, of course, are the preservatives and the adjuvant. Um, And then the fact, again, that we're stressing the system with the exposure. And maybe that's distracting our immune system from something we're actually being exposed to from the grocery store or from that flight that we were on or from the hospital we were working in because there's constantly pathogens that we're exposed to on a daily, hourly, moment basis.
1: Totally. So beyond the risk of the three to four strains plus the toxic additives, which I just realized that guys, Mm -hmm. vaccines are not vegan most of the time if they've got gelatin and egg proteins in them. Um, (laughs) But there's a lot of unknowns just in terms of the efficacy of these vaccines. And I think we need to speak to also the delay of efficacy and um, maybe speaking to also the concern of, of potential passage of, um, with the live strain vaccines passage to another individual and infecting others.
2: Yeah, like the inhalants and such as well. Um, so, so yeah, when you're getting a um, a vaccine, it can usually take weeks to be effective. So this is again, like if you're already being exposed to this, support your immune system versus scramble and distract it, and then still be, you know, non-supported for a couple weeks. Um, so there there's something to be said about that, um, as far as that delayed impact for your immune system to actually learn and create these barriers or defenders. Um, and then the the live strain concern is yes. When we're talking about carriers, um, uh, what's the big one for infants with coughs, Pertu- per per uh, boogers,
1: pertussis, like whooping? Cough? Yes, yes, yep. yes.
2: So you know when we're talking about immune compromised individuals, if it's infants, if it's elderly, again, um, when we get these um, in, when we get these vaccines, we actually are carrying often a live virus which can create infection um, and then also just because we have the vaccine and our immune system knows about it doesn't mean that we can't carry it to infect others and the concern of that is if you're dealing with someone with like let's say neutropenia someone who's on chemo who has a very compromised immune system and you just went and got vaccinated and maybe it's past the carrier time stamp, so maybe the vaccine itself Isn't live in your body at this time, but you may not be experiencing on an immunological level the infection of what you're carrying, but you could still be carrying, coughing, clearing the virus and not know because you're not getting that fever, because you're not feeling ill, because you were vaccinated, but here you are carrying it to someone that's immune compromised.
1: And you might have gotten vaccinated so you could be around that person or so you could go visit a new baby in the hospital or something like that. So something to very seriously consider. Yeah. Um, so let's get off the um, vaccine topic for a moment here. We'll, we'll leave it Completely. there for today. Yeah. Um, let, that, let that lie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, what to do instead. So drivers for, first we'll start with um, some drivers for how the immune system can become compromised, and then let's get into how we can greater support or boost it. Yeah. So, I
2: mean, this time of the year, as we've covered in the past episodes on immune, um, cold and flu season, there's a lot of factors that come into play with this. One um, is lower activity during this time of the year. And we see that when muscle tone goes down, when activity factor goes down, the immune system is less capable, less efficacious. So if the immune system is a little sleepy because you're not using your body and using your musculature, that can influence susceptibility. Um, sleep. We know that this time of the year can be higher stress. We know that during the holidays there can be more engagements, there can be more travel, tax season's coming up now. (laughs) So there's a lot of drivers of stress response. And when we are under high stress, that can interfere with our immune system's function. Um, Also, lack of sleep. So if we're not getting deep, restorative quality sleep, that's when autophagy, right? And all of those optimal cellular immunological processes are activated. Um, So this will play a huge role as well as a diet that is lower in nutrient density so during this time of the year we tend to see more processed refined carbohydrates Um, we tend to see you know of course thinking holidays more alcohol exposure less nutrient density. And then um, the other thing I'd call out is the sun exposure Um, during daylight savings. And these times of the year when we're not getting sun exposure on our skin, that tends to greatly influence our vitamin D, which can play a role with seasonal defective, affective disorder, depression and mood disorders, but also the overall function of the immune system.
1: Totally. All of that makes a lot of sense. Plus we're indoors more and maybe dealing with um, circulating heat and things like that. (laughs) You know, have an impact
2: as well, right? Most definitely, yeah. and and so you know, it, it seems simpler than easier said than done. We're going to give you a lot of specific, um, I think, really good tools to add to your tool belt. But the, the big picture of supporting your immune system is a healthy, diverse diet. Um, you know, one that creates and provides micronutrient diversity, um, one that is rich in zinc and vitamin A, and provides vitamin D food sources. We'll also, of course, cover supplementation there, uh, vitamin C, and then antioxidants because antioxidants play a huge role with maintaining a healthy, robust white blood cell count. Yes.
1: And so, you know, beyond all of these things, um, this is where, you know, stress regulation, sleep, nourishment are really key. And and we'll get into specific supplementation tools um, in a moment, but let's just drill down on the basics of diet, maybe talk about protein and why it's so important for immune support.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest priority for you, your children, everyone in the household is to ensure ample protein intake and to keep sugar out. Yep. Very shocking, right? (laughs) You heard it from me first. Um, And the reason is protein is actually an essential component of our immune system. Um, You know, one of the, the reasons that antibodies, the antibodies, which are these like tagging, right? There's antigens, which is the tagging of that foreign invader that your immune system is gonna remember, and then your immune system makes antibodies right and antibodies are the actual compounds that help to fight disease and they're made up of protein building blocks and many foods especially our biological protein sources which you all know i'm all about getting your protein from animals and fish right and so forth these also are going to contain other immune boosting nutrients especially if we're following a snout to tail approach so if we're talking about beef Pork, seafood, especially if we're able to get our oysters and crab, then we're gonna be getting a really rich form of zinc. Zinc is a mineral that helps you up the production of your infection-fighting white blood cells again. Um, And we've seen in research studies that even mild zinc deficiency can increase susceptibility to infection. We know if we're getting liver from these foods, we're getting a robust form of the actual preformed biologically available vitamin A, um, which is another component significant in our immune system surveillance and function. Um, And then you're, of course, getting all of those amino acids to help with that tagging and activating
1: of the immune system. And let's just unpack for a second, um, you know, beyond limiting those sugary and and carb laden foods for obvious reasons, like blood sugar, metabolism, insulin signaling, um, how does sugar directly impact the immune system?
2: So, in one sense, sugar can feed dysbiotic flora. So, it can feed bad bacteria, which can work against your immune system. You know, we've talked about how in a symbiotic gut, you make more serotonin and GABA. And symbiosis is, remember, a good balance of probiotic in your microbiome. So, when you have a balanced diet that is, you know, providing the prebiotic fibers and providing these quality proteins and healthy fats and moderate amounts of whole food-based carbohydrates in a symbiotic state. Not only do you make that serotonin and GABA, but you also are going to be supporting your immune system and all that regulatory function when you are in a dysbiotic state if you're having excessive sugar that is going to drive a flare of bad bacteria overgrowth so that could be yeast overgrowth it can be pathogen expression and this can actually hinder and shut down our white blood cells it can distract our immune system because now our immune system is putting out that epinephrine or adrenaline um, or, well our enteric nervous system excuse me our gut is putting out adrenaline right to survive it's saying things aren't right there's there's something imbalanced here and the immune system starts to go into auto attack mode, driving up LPS to drive leaky gut. We start to get GI distress, but that really shuts down the immune system and its ability to surveillance what's coming in as an inhalant or what's the exposure on a day-to-day basis. And we see that blood sugar elevation in general, um, you know, so we have so many comorbidities with uncontrolled diabetes. We see blood sugar elevation in general, can literally take the immune system off guard and this can last for several hours. So if you're eating sweets throughout the day, your immune system may be perpetuatingly operating at a disadvantage, you know, really not turning
1: on as it should. Totally. And and it makes me wonder too about kind of the timing of the year with, you know, this cold and flu season hitting around and after the holidays when we've been indulging more in higher carb and higher sugar foods.
2: Absolutely. And then, you know, I mean, fats can help to bring this all into balance since we're just talking about the macros, carbs, and protein. Fats can be very supportive because they aid in that innate barrier of defense on your cell membrane level. So our cell membranes are bilipid, uh, meaning that fats comprise the defense mechanism of what comes in and out of our cells, right? The gatekeepers, right? Um, And so fats not only aid in, if you're eating quality whole food fats versus industrialized oxidized fats, you're going to have a healthy cell membrane. Um, You're also going to have lubrication within the body. You're going to have an anti-inflammatory state. If you're eating your omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to have enhanced cellular communication and feedback. And then you're going to go furthermore and enhance your absorption of your key immune nutrients, vitamin A and D, as well as E and other compounds. Um, But A and D being super, super clutch for immune modulation. And because these are fat soluble, they're going to be most bioavailable when paired with consumption of fat. Um, I would say in the concepts of fat, focusing on olive oil during this time of the year would be really important because olive oil hits two for one, you get that oleic acid, but you also get the antimicrobial, antifungal and antiviral hit.
1: And then even beyond the macros, as discussed, there are particular nutrients or compounds that are more potent immune supporters. So where does produce fit in all of this?
2: Oh, I love it. Yeah. I, I really think that we still want to stick with that, like five cups a day. Um, Goal to get a a variety of antioxidants and vitamins and minerals. Um, We'll share some research in a moment on elderberry, but it's really the anthocyanin. So the purple pigments that they're thinking unique to that Sambuca compound um, in elderberry that plays a tool. And we know that these tannins um, can play a big role as antimicrobial and um, antiviral and also help with reducing adhesion. Um, So letting the invader or the pathogen to basically set up camp, right? So protecting from things setting up in our system. Um, We've seen awesome studies on turmeric, both in modulating the immune system and the inflammatory cascades within our body, all the way into things like cruciferous vegetables. I mean, cruciferous vegetables are packed full of vitamin C and antioxidants and fiber. And there was a a mouse study that I'll link in the show notes that showed uh, cruciferous vegetable consumption, which included a blend of broccoli, kale, and cauliflower as supporting the immune system to fight intestinal pathogens. They actually looked at a protein um, aryl hydrocarbon receptor, um, AHR, and saw a favorable outcome with those that were consuming the cruciferous vegetables.
1: So, so cool. We'll make sure we link that as we mentioned in show notes. Um, Let's take a quick break and throw in our own sponsorship for today's episode. And then we'll start to hit you guys with some of the tangible takeaway advice of what to stock in your medicine cabinet and what to put on your plate.
2: Yes, um, so naturally nourished supplements is today 's uh, mid roll sponsor, and I am super passionate about bringing you guys the most potent, effective, and pure products available. I believe so strongly that supplements are powerful tools. And my goal with this podcast and blog and all these free resources is to provide you the guidance of a trusted practitioner. My background that I've seen over the last decade of clinical outcomes, using food as medicine and nutrients on high dose to deliver profound health, benefits. I've always been so committed to stay on the forefront of emerging science, and I have ensured that every formula in the Naturally Nourished line delivers um, innovative compounds that Far exceed the standard. Every ingredient that is sourced in our products um, requires much more than a certificate of analysis from the supplier. We actually check for ourselves every lot and batch, and we ensure that all products are third party assessed to ensure that they are free of mold, toxins, contaminants, and that they contain the stated active ingredients in the dosages noted. That's where you get that potency and efficacy as well as the purity. Another thing I want to call out about the Naturally Nourished Supplements and why I really decided to create this label in the first place is my pricing guarantee. Um, So I know that these formulas can add up. And as you guys see, I take all of the things and I recommend all of the things because the most beautiful synergy that we can see with these biological active compounds from plants and from glandulars and amino acid derivatives is that they have synergistic outputs. So when you're taking a formula to support your immune system, it may also help your hair, skin, and nails. It may also help your quality and depth of sleep. It may also support your stall on the scale and boost your weight loss. It may also support your overall quality of life. And so I am really passionate of making these available to you guys. And my pricing guarantee ensures that I will always provide formulas 2 to 5% below the market industry standard of the same active ingredient. On top of this, I'm gonna offer subscription discounts, bundled discounts, which is a great entry point, um, and seasonal promotions to ensure that all of my quality formulas are accessible.
1: Yes, and naturally nourished supplements are also guaranteed to be non-GMO, 100% gluten-free, free of all forms of soy, quality controlled, and both GMP and NSF certified for some formulas.
2: Yes. So um, one of the things I just want to call out before we go into there is when we say kind of efficacy and potency and dosage um, it's really important that um, when in our new website we're going to be listing so much including a uh, research references per product um, we're also going to be talking about how to use we're going to have tagging and labeling for things that are safe with breastfeeding pregnancy uh, safe for children and so much more so that you can really feel empowered by the information we provide um, but I was working on the language on super tube as an example and each capsule is one gram Um, so you might look at a 500 milligram capsule and say okay well I find this product at Whole Foods it's 500 milligrams per capsule so I'll just take two and that's gonna equal a super turmeric well what you may not see and what may not even be provided on that label is the percentage of curcuminoids available these are the bioactive components of turmeric and then the potency of those so in that 500 milligram turmeric supplement there could be only 30 milligrams of curcuminoids or less. And research really shows that efficacy starts at 200 milligrams. So that would mean that you're taking eight to 10 capsules to actually have anti-inflammatory effects from that over-the-counter turmeric. And in one capsule of my super turmeric of one gram total of turmeric provided, there is going to be 380 milligrams of curcuminoids. So with just one capsule, you're getting 8 to 10 times the bioavailability and efficacy that you would get from a comparable milligram turmeric product.
1: So so important to stress and why we do the work for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do all this digging and research for yourself.
2: Yes, and then like I said, I will always match. So you find something else out there that has that same compound and I will nerd back with you to determine if it is to the level of my quality of my formula and if it is, I guarantee I will be cheaper than what it is.
1: Yep, yep. Awesome. So I've head on over to you. yes. <laughs> head over to allymillerrd.com to shop all of our formulas and you can use the code allie 15 to save 15% on your first order. Yes. All right. So back to diet a little bit. Let's just talk through um, you know, consuming a diet within the naturally nourished principles with whole food focus and either you know a low glycemic or even keto approach how that could be supportive of overall immune health
2: yeah so um, you know there's so much beneficial research out there that we see on ketone bodies and the ability of them to modulate both inflammatory and immune cellular function Um, what we do see that i thought was really interesting i'm gonna um, post a research study um, that came out in 2017, and what it looked at was like a bell curve effect of your BHB. Um, So kind of looking at the pathogenesis of type 1 diabetes um, and ketoacidosis, right? So chronic ketosis of ketoacidosis actually drives a pro-inflammatory state um, and can interfere with immune system function, but an increase of ketones and the presence of ketones in the bloodstream do provide a mechanism-based signaling role for both inflammation and immune system cell function, including macrophages and monocytes. Um, And this has been expressed in various research studies. So this is again to argue why you'd want your body to function as a hybrid um, using both glucose and ketones, following my whole food approach to a nutritional ketosis diet would be fantastic, but also would add light to why you don't need the products with BHB um, or beta hydroxybutyrate, right? Those additive exogenous ketones. Um, it's really about getting your body to do the work. And then you're going to get that synergy effect of you know not having that excessive sugar spiking and turning off the immune system.
1: Exactly. So, so cool how that all works in synergy. Um, Let's chat now and start to get into the nitty gritty of some of the micronutrients to focus on some supplement support. And then I want to unpack our coronavirus toolkit survival kit.
2: Yes. Okay, cool. So um the first line of defense is to start with a quality multivitamin. Um you know, I think that this is warranted throughout the year, every single day it's a great insurance policy because you just don't know what your body's going to demand more of for various cellular processes. So whether it's growth and development, whether it is immune or inflammatory mediated or hormone changes going on in the body, quality multivitamin is key. So you wanna look for a multivitamin that has chelated minerals. Um, You want to look for one that has methylated forms of B vitamins and all of my multivitamins will do that trick. Um, The multi-defense, which is my kind of standard multivitamin, um, I have multi-defense and then multi-defense with iron. So the with iron is for those that have anemia or um, are dealing with iron deficiency or those that women that are cycling or menstruating because they're going to be, of course, losing blood on a monthly basis. So multi-defense with iron for women or those that are anemic. Um, and then multi-defense otherwise for the rest of the population is a really good supporter because it has an antioxidant blend. And again, antioxidant capacity tends to go down during this time of the year. So getting that formula that has that um, compound from green tea and pomegranate extract and all of these compounds that really reduce our free radical overload and increase our ORAC or our antioxidant capacity in the body is a great foundational tool. I will say if you're already taking the multi-avail mama and you are pregnant or breastfeeding, stick with the multi-avail mama and work for your antioxidant capacity in food forms. Um, and then multi kids is really fantastic as that provides those bioflavonoids and some of those plant botanical compounds and antioxidants in addition to the um, chelated minerals and the bioavailable bees for kids. It's a chewable tablet.
1: Okay. And then beyond kind of basic support, let's talk vitamin D and vitamin C for immune support.
2: Yes. So, um, vitamin D is one that also, I really believe there should be a baseline intake of daily. I pulse my vitamin D every other day in the summer and when I'm getting a lot of sun exposure, um, but I start taking it daily in the month of October all the way through the month of March. And um, during that period of time, I'm taking 5,000 IUs a day, and then I will pulse up to 10,000 IUs for like three to seven days if I have an acute need, um, if Stella or Brady are exposed to something and dealing with something, or if I feel like I'm coming down with something. Um, You always wanna look for a vitamin D that has a blend of K1 and K2. For children, um, especially like toddlers, we're we're looking at anywhere between 400 to 2,000 IUs, which could be appropriate, Um, and the 2,000, upwards of really 5,000 as an acute pulse up in the cold and flu season, Um, if your child's spiking a fever, that would definitely be first line of defense to do, um, because vitamin D is really like a pro-hormone. That has so many immune modulating effects. Um, We could do an entire podcast on it. Um, But the big concern I have with kids' vitamins, and I know I had Stella on the Carlsons, which is just like the Um, most I think known kids uh, dropper of vitamin D um, is that it doesn't have the vitamin K1 and K2 so that can lead to calcification and the distribution in the body may not be as optimal Um, and foreshadowing I'm coming out with the kids vitamin D liquid that has the K1 K2 so I'm super stoked about that Um, Vitamin C is fantastic as well, and that missed my image. Um, So yes, Bio-C Plus would be in the formula. One to three grams a day has been shown to boost immune function. Um, Each capsule of Bio-C Plus is 500 milligrams, but what's beautiful about that is it does provide actual um, compounds from citrus flavonoids, which has antihistamine effects and anti-inflammatory effects paired with that 500 milligrams of the vitamin C. So, you know, one to two a day would be a good foundation and that could be pulsed up to five to six. It's really upwards of bowel tolerance for vitamin C and bowel tolerance, meaning you'd get a soft stool if you uh, went too high. And that just means that your body's at
1: capacity and you spill the rest. Sure. Uh, we dug into that. I can't remember what episode it is. That was one, it 14, might been one of the immune ones. Okay. Great. Great. Um, And then um, maybe let's highlight the category of stress supporters and sleep supporting um, supplements.
2: So, you know, this is, again, like I said, the time of the year where I'd really want you to focus on mellowing out. So um, doing yoga, playing with your dog, listening to music, all of these are good things because research shows time and time again that stress alters how well your immune system works. If you're stressed, your immune system is distracted and it's not going to be functioning optimally. Ways to support your stress response with my supplements would be the Adaptogen Boost, which has rhodiola, cordyceps, and ginseng. And that'd be a great one during this time of the year because those compounds themselves, especially cordyceps and ginseng, also have immune modulating and supportive effects. And then my calm and clear and relax and regulate would be fantastic tools as well to consider calm and clear, keeping you in that parasympathetic rest, digest, reproduce, metabolize, immune optimize, regulatory function, and relax and regulate, providing you that magnesium bisglycinate, neuromuscular release, which would take us into sleep. Um, The goal is seven hours at minimum a night, Again, that's when you're gonna get that autophagy and that cellular cleanup for your system. You could layer in beyond the relax and regulate the sleep support formula, which has 1.5 milligrams of melatonin per tablet and has nervine herbs to help your um, nervous system to chill out. Um, This is gonna be really important to optimize that immune system function and the body's ability to really upregulate its um, army against pathogen and invader.
1: Totally. And then, maybe as another category, um, what about essential oils? I guess mo- both in um, consumption and maybe topical or inhalant use.
2: Yes, I mean, direct contact, we think of like, of course, covering your mouth when you cough. Um, If you're at a coffee shop and you're noticing someone coughing around, you just relocate, who cares? You know, you don't have to see them again. Um, (laughs) So separating yourself from coughing, sneezing, those types of things as best you can, and touching, and that's why hand washing is so important. I'm all about that old school soap and water. You know, we've seen studies show that those antibacterial gels. Are not more effective, and if you feel like you want something without water, lavender essential oil is really yep. great. Ninety-nine um, percent, um, you know, effective as an antibacterial. Um, we sh- did in our image um, on guard, which um, Becky keeps in her purse, and it's a DoTerra product. I don't have any affiliation with any of these particular, um, you know, Young Living or DoTerra or those types of companies. Um, but we do see time and time again that blends that um, we've heard them called like thieves oil blends. Um, They tend to have clove, um, cinnamon bark, eucalyptus, rosemary, um, these rich aromatic um, spicy sprays, um, really powerful in um, being a cleanser, an antimicrobial, an uh, antibacterial agent. And these can be used topically um, diluted um, or they can be used as inhalants
1: super cool. I'll link the, the products that we're mentioning in um, our kind of prevention kit in the show notes. And then our herbal immune would kind of fall into that same category, but more as an internal consumption, because I'm really not about using the um, essential oils that come in, in a little bottle internally unless you really really know about quality
2: yeah extraction but also like you don't know the potency and the purity sure exactly that's totally where i'd go for the herbal immune and you know the the cool thing about herbal immune is it has oregano thyme tea tree excuse me not tea tree excuse me oregano thyme sage and lemon balm and you know these are some of the most powerful antimicrobial antifungal antiviral compounds so this is my first go-to as a um coping mechanism if I feel I'm getting something. So I wouldn't use that proactively unless someone around me is directly infected.
1: Totally. And then beyond that, which we also use in, in you know, a dysbiosis cleanse, um, what about um, probiotics and kind of how these boost immune health.
2: Yeah. So what's super cool about probiotics is that they support both the innate and the acquired immune system. So they help to regulate the host or, or the body on both those innate and adaptive responses. And they modulate the functions of various cells, including our dendritic cells, our macrophages, our T cells, our B lymphocytes. And they influence toll-like receptors, um, which play a role direct through our epithelial lining. So there's the innate influence on our lipopolysaccharides, our macrophages, and our neutrophils and natural killer cells. We've seen probiotics to enhance the function of all of those. And then on the adaptive, the toll-like receptors impact our pro-inflammatory production of the T-helper 1 cells, or on an anti-inflammatory level, influence our cytokines and our T-regulatory and Th2 helper cells. Um, And so the immune system can be enhanced both on that innate exposure as well as the adaptive learned through probiotics. So absolutely a cultured food a day will keep the doctor away. Um, You might want to consider staying dairy-free with your cultured foods, especially with your children if they're experiencing phlegm or mucus, because that can be a driver of like the ear infection stuff, right? If they're dealing with a lot of dairy-related mucus. So I'm talking go for the kraut, go for the pickled vegetables, kombucha. Um, I've been loving the Kalina dairy-free yogurt. Shout out to an Austin company. But this is really where you'd want to hit the restore baseline probiotic in my line. Um, Something that I want to share with y'all. So you could do the kids biotic as a chewable, which is fantastic. And even for your toddlers, you can um, break that up or cut that up and mix that into a bite of food. Um, But I have a recipe in the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook where I take nut butter balls, um, basically just store-ground nut butter, and I mix in my grass-fed whey, and I mix in um, probiotic capsules with two tablespoons of the almond butter. And this is super important because not only are you getting the both world of the spectrum of the immune boost from the probiotics, right? But you're also supporting the GALT, the gut-associated lymphatic tissue. So non-denatured grass-fed whey would be a huge piece of this puzzle for especially the toddler and children population because this is providing active immunoglobulins. So these can foundationally support the immune system as well as support in acute care at time of infection. Um, we see research study that specifically is looked at the IgG from bovine, that's cow, sources to aid with RSV. So we're talking about upper respiratory infections. Um, We're talking about subsequent allergies. Um, We've seen influence on support for reducing that LPS and and aiding in leaky gut, that intestinal epithelial lining. Um, We've seen tight junctions of the gut be repaired using a non-denatured grass-fed way. Um, so, this is a really fantastic food as medicine support, the grass fed way to try to incorporate a couple times a week. And that would be one that you could use proactive as a foundational tool.
1: So, I think what you're alluding to right there is a huge trend, as both of these supplements are really functional foods can support in multiple mechanisms the immune system without any known side effects.
2: Yes. So that's kind of a a two part thing to unpack there. The emphasis of both probiotics and immunoglobulins helping in the innate, you know, barrier defense, as I mentioned, upregulating all those white blood cell, uh, you know, chemical defenders of the immune system. But also, both probiotics and immunoglobulins are going to support the acquired immune system. So we've seen really powerful research on both of these like you mentioned functional foods that we can use on a daily basis especially supporting the pediatric population which is just so important i mean we've seen that bovine immunoglobulins can modify the adaptive immune system by binding directly to pathogens and they can actually bear these innate immune cells leading to pathogenesis and killing them But then they can actually neutralize human pathogens as demonstrated for, like, you know, RSV and all of these big influencing infections that we see in the pediatric population. So, super important. So, there's that dual mechanism of innate and acquired, right? That tagging and remembering but then there's also multiple mechanisms of synergy of these compounds. So, you know, instead of the antibiotic treating the bacteria and sterilizing the biome and then interfering with mood and cognition and future immune health, the probiotic can actually enhance cognition. We've seen double-blind placebo studies on probiotics being as powerful as Prozac, right? So we can see mood improvement, um, reduction of depression, um, reduction of anxiety. We can see growth and development support from the grass-fed way with those immunoglobulins, not just enhancing immune surveillance and battle effects, but also working as branched-chain amino acids. You know? So there's so many mechanisms providing energy, neuromuscular function, improving digestive health. And we haven't even mentioned the CLAs, the conjugated linoleic acids that are in the grass-fed way, which have been shown in study after study as an anti-cancer component. So when we bring in these foundational tools, we are enhancing the function of the body in a multitude of factors.
1: So much cool stuff and and a lot of reasons that particularly grass-fed whey and probiotics should probably be in our daily intake versus just kind of as needed for immune support.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I didn't even mention because I was kind of on a a rant with children, but both also the CLAs and grass fed way and probiotics have been shown to reduce bloating and belly fat, (laughs) you know, so these things that bother us on a daily basis, maybe, and make us feel suboptimal, but not quite sick. So there's, there's so many layers of how we can modulate the immune and inflammatory responses of the body using quality foundational tools.
1: Totally. So let's unpack a little bit our toolkit for coronavirus prevention. So it sounds like probiotics and grass-fed whey are going in there.
2: Absolutely. So, you know, you just may decide that you pull something up. So I had mentioned using the Restore baseline probiotic in those nut butter balls with the grass fed away. And those provide 15 billion CFUs, colony forming units, of a blend of a lactobacillus and bifido. But if I'm actually going into coronavirus prevention or if I'm exposed to more flu, more just pathogens in general during cold and flu season, I am going to level up and bring in that targeted strength probiotic, which is 60 billion, so it's the potency of four capsules of the uh, Restore baseline in that targeted strength probiotic, the same distribution. And that targeted strength probiotic would also be used if you know that you're dealing with some of those symptoms I mentioned. So if you know you're dealing with bloating, if you know you're dealing with mood imbalance, if you know you're dealing with an autoimmune condition or immune Um, compromised health these would be reasons to go right for that targeted strength probiotic and then the rebuild spectrum is a unique blend of eight different strains including Saccharomyces boulardii which has that antifungal support so we use that rebuild spectrum in our um, bacteria rebuild bundle following our dysbiosis and candida cleanse Um, and this is one that I would use as a daily basis for that broad spectrum support so especially if you were on an antibiotic this is is the one you definitely would need to take for a month to rebound that microbiome.
1: Totally. And I know you and I both take those, especially right now with all the gunk going around, we both take those on a a daily basis throughout the winter. And I think most of the year.
2: Yes. And you can pulse them up. So I take one of each at bed just for ease as a a baseline for myself. And then, you know, if I notice that my immune system is compromised or under higher stress, I might double down and take one of each at rise in bed. Um, Or I might just double down on the rebuild and keep that targeted at one at bed. It just kind of depends. And then Other foundational players on a micronutrient level would be the vitamin D balanced blend, the multi-defense. So, you know, any quality multivitamin is going to be important, but in the the focus of viral activity, the multi-defense would be the more targeted formula as opposed to some of the other micronutrient formulas. Um, And then the bio C plus, Um, the bio C plus is providing 500 milligrams of bioavailable vitamin C with the antihistamine and anti-inflammatory citrus flavonoids. So we're getting that quercetin, um, we're getting routine. And these have been shown in research to reduce histamine response, so seasonal allergy support, while you're enhancing your immune system. So great tool for this time of the year as well. And then we would think into the world of like stress and antioxidant capacity. So we would be incorporating adaptogen boost. Uh, Again, likely this could be a daily player, but this would be one you'd pulse up during times of stress-induced fatigue. We've seen with the adaptogen boost of all of the stress responding formulas, this one to have the most compounds that directly enhance immunological function. So we're talking about the Panax ginseng there, we're talking about the cordyceps and the rhodiola as the three featured ingredients. And cellular antiox, which is our glutathione formula, this we think about as that grandmama antioxidant, right? So it's scavenging free radicals. This is important as when your immune system is going through these processes with natural killer cells and macrophages and leaving behind debris for your immune system to remember, but still debris from the die off. You do want to take something with N-acetylcysteine and glutathione like the cellular antiox, which is going to help to upregulate the excretion pathways and also tap into the biofilms Um, These are the networks of bacteria that can be seen as kind of like the root system. And then cellular antioxidants also has the benefit, just like BioC Plus, to work as an expectorant. So both of those can also help with more of the seasonal allergy, upper, you know, ear, nose, throat, gunk stuff that some of us might be experiencing. And we talked about that also with inhalants with toxicity as as a big tool, the cellular antioxidant.
1: Awesome. And then you mentioned the grass-fed ways. So that might be something too to include on a daily basis during um, time of you know, increased immune susceptibility.
2: Absolutely. And you know because of those immunoglobulins, that's one that you could pulse up. But generally speaking, about three to four scoops a week is a good foundational health goal, but you might go up to two scoops a day if you are dealing with high susceptibility or exposure. And then there's the tools that we bring in, pulsed more, you know, at times of illness or actual exposure, flying. So this would be the herbal immune and the berberine boost. We use both of these in our, you know, dysbiosis, beat the bloat, candida cleanse. Uh, but these tools, as we talked about um, in past episodes, the herbal immune having the lemon balm and also having um, the oregano in there and the thyme oil. And the sage, that works as an expectorant as well to help to break up phlegm and mucus and is really powerful antimicrobial, antifungal, antiviral, which, you know, we, we kind of talked a little bit about with those inhalants and essential oils.
1: Totally. And that one, you can like feel it working in that upper respiratory area. Oh, yeah. Totally.
2: It's refreshing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And then, you know, the berberine is one that I think of more secondarily uh, just because we do know the mechanisms of berberine as an antimicrobial um, and antiviral supporter as well. So that's one that can work really beneficially. It can help to regulate the blood sugar level because during the immune times of like fever and cortisol peaks, we can definitely see, especially in the diabetic population, that blood sugar levels tend to get out of control. So that will also help to mitigate those
1: glucose spikes. Okay, so that's kind of the foundational element, but let's get into a little bit deeper of how you would use some of these formulas and then maybe a little bit more of anything else you would layer on during time of illness with that first sign of a stuffy nose or a sore throat or ear pain or pressure.
2: Yeah. So I guess I would categorize that herbal immune and berberine boost in there, you know, more the the times of illness or exposure. Um, But maybe like the herbal immune, I might take one twice daily the day of flying and the day after. And then if I'm not symptomatic, I would stop it. Whereas if I'm symptomatic or really feeling gunk or experiencing that, I would likely increase that to like three a day for seven to 10 days. So, it's kind of the length of time and the dosage. Uh, so, same would go with the vitamin D. You know, I would take a single vitamin D balanced blend on a daily basis, which provides the 5,000 I use a day with the blend of K1, K2. But if I am feeling exposed to illness, research actually supports upwards of 50,000. So, that would be 10 capsules for five days um, to really eradicate, and upwards of 10,000 IU's for five days in acute time of immune stress um, or immune exposure, you know, of pathogen. Um, 10,000 IU's for children um, age four, excuse me, 40 pounds or uh, greater. So, you know, that's where you can really level up and and kind of mega dose that orthomolecular hit to really allow the nutrient, that pro hormone vitamin D, to get that immune system keyed up to to be activated. Again, very different than how, when we get a fever, if we take Motrin or sure. Ibuprofen, and we mitigate the immune system's response, this we're actually saying, come on guys, let's do your job. Yep. Uh, so you can do the same thing with the vitamin C. You can pulse that up to bowel tolerance. So you might be taking the bio C plus at, you know, 500 milligrams per capsule. So maybe one twice daily, like a gram a day, you can easily go up to five to 10 grams a day um, during that, like three to five day window. If you get diarrhea, bring it down a couple (laughs) and then, you know, keep working it until, until your, you know, illness resolves.
1: Okay. Awesome. And then I know the master tonic would come into play for sure during times of illness too. Let's talk about that.
2: Yeah. So we post, we post that I think every year and we just posted this last week on uh, Instagram and had a lot of fun feedback. So you can check out the recipe in the show notes or just Google Allie Miller RD master tonic. Um, you know again, this is something that you can take about an ounce of daily or three to five times a week as a general foundation. But if you're experiencing illness, you might decide you take an ounce of that every two hours for you know a day. Or you might take at least you know four shots a day for a three to five day window to really get that activation of those powerful compounds. So we're talking garlic, horseradish, ginger, the spiciest peppers you can find. Uh, and what else am I missing, Becky? An onion. All fermented in. Uh, yep,
1: apple radish, cider vinegar. Did you say that. Uh, Horse radish, yeah. Yep, yep. I add oregano too sometimes. If I've Why got not? Fresh oregano and um, turmeric in there as well sometimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing you a jar this weekend.
2: Yay! <laughs> and I'm happy you mentioned turmeric because that's one of my favorite things to bring in as pain reliever, or you know, to before we would consider. Like again, an NSAID drug, if we're dealing with body aches or fever, super turmeric would be a good first line of defense to just take off that yuck that we feel deep in our joints and in our fascia. That's going to be very supportive as a pain manager while not inhibiting the inflammatory process of the immune system completely. Uh, So that can really help as a coping mechanism and then still support antioxidant
1: capacity. Totally. Totally. And then the probiotic you'd mentioned, potentially doubling down on that. Um, how would you recommend using the rebuild and the targeted?
2: So the rebuild spectrum, I would do more of like one at rise, one at bed. Um, and I would do that for like a two-week window. I always say take that for two weeks um, following an antibiotic if you were having to take an antibiotic. And then, um, you know, like I said, the targeted strength probiotic, you could just keep one at bed. Um, but if you're having GI stress, then definitely double down on that one as well. Okay. Cool. So let me list some kids and toddler stuff. We talked a sure. lot about this in past episode, um, but I want to just mention the garlic mullen, eardrops. Those are my favorite first line of defense. It can actually be used to treat an ear infection, an early onset ear infection. The kids biotic, chewable probiotic is fantastic. So you could do two a day, but ramp that up to four the uh, multi avail kids, you'd also ramp up and double down your multivitamin support for your children. So if they're chewing two, chew four, if they're chewing four, chew eight, and then just get the gunk moving. So I love the, you know, Frida for infants as far as like that suck (laughs) to get the mucus and phlegm out. And then I wanted to share ZyClear, which is great for infants all the way through, you know, geriatrics, so all age population. Um, ZyClear is a xylitol, Nasal spray. So, this is yes, a sugar alcohol and it is bacteriostatic. That's why I don't like eating xylitol in foods. But in this delivery, it does have, you know, the antibacterial and antimicrobial support um, that can fight against bacterial colonies in that ear, nose, and throat area. It's combined with grapefruit seed extract for that extra antimicrobial boost and it basically cleans moisturizes and rinses the nasal congestion reduces allergy irritants and harmful pollutants. And we do see that, you know, dry, irritated tissues are more susceptible to viral activity. A a dry nasal cavity is going to host those inhalants. So for flying, this is something that we do as a family. We'll use this ZyClear, um, you know, before the flight and after the flight just to kind of reset our nasal passage. And I would say the same thing goes if, you know, you're in a hospital environment or something like that.
1: Totally, that's what I'm going to add to my uh, pharmacy at home. I don't have that on hand yet. It's a good one. <laughs> and yeah,
2: for Byron, he should be using that daily.
1: Totally. <laughs> uh, what about um, like throat sprays? Um, and of course, we have to hit elderberry here too.
2: Yes, and I want to talk food as medicine. So um, you know, when we're <laughs> talking about the the throat sprays, you could bring in colloidal silver. I have seen clinically good outcomes with use of colloidal silver. However, I will say the research is pretty spotty on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So you may lead first maybe with like an herbal throat spray um, using the same essential compounds that I mentioned, you know, in like the um, uh, herbal immune formula. So any of those would work really well. And then um, elderberry syrup, we went in depth on episode 114 on the research there, but I will say that there are many published studies on elderberry. It all has to come down to the potency of the formula. So I like the Gaia brand. We'll link it in the show notes. There's 1900 milligrams in a teaspoon, whereas like these, what are they called? Like Umka lozenges or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Umka? I don't know. But there's like purple. Umka, there's Sambuca. I sambuca. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Don't but buy anyway, them. But <laughs> anyway, those lozenges are 12.5 milligrams. So yeah, I just said like- 9, 1900 versus 12.5.
1: the gummies too. I have so many clients on those and I'm like, well, you're getting sugar and you're barely getting a potent dose of elderberry. So skip
2: that. So you might be interfering with your immune system versus enhancing it. Um, I will link an awesome research study that just came out in 2019 in the journal of functional foods. And it looked at the anti-influenza activity of elderberry. And we've seen dosages, you know, of like one teaspoon, a couple times a week, but really the antivirin element of it is enhanced. If it's, used more acutely, meaning when your body is fighting or exposed. And at that time, taking two to four teaspoons a day is optimal as opposed to like a daily teaspoon.
1: Totally. And I've had clients who were like, why did it stop working? I'm using it every day. And it's like, that's why. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So use your probiotic and your grass fed yes. way every day and your vitamin yes. D and all those other things, but this would be something you'd pulse in. Yeah.
1: And then let's talk a little bit more just about some travel tips. Um, so how you would use some of these items that you've mentioned, obviously the zycler you mentioned as, as um, keeping the nasal passages hydrated, but what would we do instead of that mask that everyone's buying that is probably not effective.
2: Well, right. That's why that that nasal hydration would be much more effective to actually cleanse out the nasal cavity versus the mask, uh, which could actually keep things drier and you know hold inhalants in. Um, you know, not all of them are effective anyway with the type of material that's used. So yes, keeping nasal passages hydrated. The clear is huge. I would always recommend um, traveling with an eye mask uh, for deep. Restorative quality sleep at least seven hours a night. That's going to help your immune system upregulate autophagy That's that cellular cleanup for our immune system, right? Um, and all of the immunological mechanisms are optimized in that deep restful sleep So this is also I would consider traveling with like blue blocker glasses to mitigate the blue light from the electronics We would want to limit sugar and alcohol. So just you know choose and navigate your indulgences and um. Choose to ensure if you are getting alcohol, you go for red wine, which has tannins. We've actually seen anthocyanins to be able to bind to pathogens. So maybe red wine would be acceptable, or maybe alcohol Hmm. with citrus, like a margarita.
0: (laughs) Good (laughs) to know. Vitamin
2: C. Um, You know, so just be mindful, choose your indulgences, Um, take your ultimate detox or detox packs if you are drinking alcohol so it doesn't tax your system. And then get outside as much as you can. That's going to help with grounding and your circadian rhythm. We have tons of tips in episode 86. It's actually geared towards summer travel, uh, where we talk about, you know, using digested with dining out and GI lining support. And then I'll link in the show notes also a blog on travel tips, which is more macroscopic.
1: Yep. We definitely have some of the immune support stuff in, in both of those for sure. But maybe for more of like GI preventative, I'll make sure they're up to date before this episode airs. Cool. Cool. Okay, so we've covered a lot. Let's just kind of round things out with a couple of food as medicine recommendations and you know what we can be eating on a daily basis and things that we can also pulse up during times of illness.
2: Yes. So, I mean, I would start with my friend bone broth, yeah. <laughs> you know, bone broth has stood the test of time and there has been clinical research done on the N-acetylcysteine, the role of bone broth actually being able to play an influence with those inflammatory white blood cell reactions and actually work as an expectorant, thinning mucus and phlegm and helping in that upper respiratory system. And then what I love about bone broth is it's a vehicle to give your body more immune-boosting power so you can add in like your 40 clove of garlic recipe that you uh, posted a couple weeks ago garlic onions we can add in also seaweed um, you know so we can blend in leafy greens Um, this is a great delivery for an immune boost and especially when appetite might be a little bit lower getting that salty electrolyte balance from bone broth also very supportive for immune
1: health yeah totally
2: and then I'd go probiotics, cultured food. So like I said, I'd probably avoid the dairy focused ones. So this would be like a, uh, you know, coconut milk based yogurt. The recipe that I have on the anti-anxiety diet would be great. Uh, you could use cultured vegetables, kimchi, sauerkraut, uh, kombucha. That would all be appropriate during this time. And you might do like the kombucha that has cayenne and ginger in it to get a little bit extra kick, kind of reminiscent of that master tonic. I would emphasize intake of aliens during this time. These help to support also our natural killer innate immune system, as well as detoxification to cleanse out that debris. So this is the world of onions, garlic, shallots, leeks, all fantastic players for immune boost. And then uh, let's see, from other nutrient focus, I'd go for zinc rich foods. So getting red meat in at least four times a week minimum, Focusing on uh, salmon as another great form of zinc and our shellfish, so oysters, clams, mussels, these are all fantastic things. You could throw clams, you could get um, canned uh, smoked oysters or clams and throw those back into your bone broth and make a really simple soup and that would work really beautifully. Uh, You could throw in pepitas, dark chocolate for that as well. Uh, vitamin C. My favorites there would be, um, you know, all produce has vitamin C. So that's what we said earlier, like that five cups of uh, fruits and vegetables a day. Uh, But definitely the citrus flavonoids would be a good thing to go for here. So um, grapefruit is in season now. Um, The Meyer lemons are coming out, all the beautiful bioflavonoids we get there for a kick. Um, And then you're going to get a blend when you're getting your your vegetables and your produce in variety, a bunch of phytocompounds. So in the research on elderberry, they're actually looking, like I said, with wine at the anthocyanin, that purple pigment. Um, We see research on tea on the emphasis of polyphenols. Um, And so, you know, we see that these plant-based molecules are really powerful to protect the body against cold and flu. And they can play a big role both as antioxidant effects as well as the ability to influence even the level of how a virus replicates in the body. There's been really powerful studies done on five cups a day of of tea. Um, And you can get these polyphenols in in fruits and vegetables uh, as well. So great, great time to get that variety and biodiversity.
1: Totally. And then I'm also thinking the elderberry gummies that are in the anti-anxiety diet cookbook would be a great option as they have a base of orange in lemon, correct? Yes, they Plus do. The yep. And then
2: and that gelatin, gelatin yep. yep, that's gonna support that gut-associated lymphatic tissue, most definitely, most definitely. And uh, I will note um, for expectorants beyond bone broth, this is where you can add in things like ginger and oregano, they've been shown to also thin mucus. And um, we had a recipe on the blog, I'll link again, called the Zippy Toddy. Um, this can be done as a virgin warm beverage or with a little shot of bourbon. Um, Sometimes that helps take off the aches, Um, but lemon, ginger, coconut oil, and hot water are the primary ingredients there and really good for just kind of breaking up and clearing the passages.
1: Totally. So, so, so much good stuff in today's episode. Hopefully we've given you guys some really good um, tools for stocking your pantry and supporting your immune system and what you can do if you do have to travel during this time. If you do you know, get exposed to something or, or feel like you or one of your family members is coming down with something, Having all of this in the cabinet ahead of time, um, making your master tonic ahead of time, because it takes about two weeks to ferment, will all be really good tools that will serve you during this time.
2: Yes. So thank you always for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, go on over to where you've listened to the podcast, whether that's iTunes or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. And totally, you know, shoot a screenshot of yourself listening. Share this episode on your social media page or with your friends. And always remember to tag Ali Miller RD. Sharing is caring, and we are just so passionate in empowering you and your whole household to stay vibrant, vital, and really in thrive mode through this immune-stressed
0: time. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast.